This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. And today, I am joined by my friend Drew, and we are going to be discussing a movie that he's never seen before. The Fast and the Furious from 2001. Drew, welcome back to the program. Vroom, vroom. Happy to be here. Vroom, vroom, indeed. And Drew, this is a first for this podcast in that this will be the first film that I have also not seen. I am so excited because I didn't realize until just before we started this episode that that was the case. I thought I was the only one here who had not seen it. Oh no, this, this is going to be new for me too. That being said, I am a fan of this franchise. I love the Fast and Furious movies. It's just that I came on board with these with Fast Five. Oh. Yeah. I listened to a different podcast that recommended Fast Five. So I was like, really? Checked it out. It was awesome. And I've been with it all through the rest of them. Fast and Furious 6, Fast 7, uh... The Fate of the Furious, I think, is the name of Wait, the eighth so, one. So, forgive my ignorance, but how many films are there in this franchise? Currently, there are eight films in the franchise. A ninth one is in the works, as is a spin-off movie with a couple of characters who came to the franchise later. Wow. Played by The Rock and Jason Statham. Yes. Yeah. Now... Just because I'm a fan of the franchise, however, does not necessarily mean that I know anything about this first one. Hmm. I think I've pieced together everything that happens in this movie, but I'm not sure, so I guess we're going to find out just what I know. So I guess to start off, I'll ask you this question. What do you know about this movie? Okay, so um, I know that there are a lot of films. Obviously, I didn't know how many. A bunch. Um... I pretty much know that there are going to be uh, people who drive cars very fast, and I presume furiously. I mean, one is probably safe making that assumption. Other than that, uh, okay, so the there there is a famous actor from this franchise who died at some point in the in the making of one of the films, right? Yeah, uh, Paul Walker. Uh, it wasn't in the making of one of the films, but it was a car accident, so you can kind of get that confused. Uh, he died relatively recently, I want to say 
um, I guess maybe it was during the, it just wasn't during the filming of one, but it was right around when they were wrapping up number seven. I see. So, yeah, but he is actually the star and main character of this first one. Right. Okay. And Ludacris is in how many of them? Ludacris joins the series later, so he's not going to be in this one, I think. All right. But uh, I do believe Ludacris is on the soundtrack of this one. Mm, So that's kind of his in. (laughs) I guess. Let me act in the next one. They were such a big fan of his music. They're like, we got to get this guy in as an actor. (laughs) He's actually pretty good as an actor in the later ones. You know, funny, charming, as you might expect Ludacris to be. Yeah, I don't know how many he's in exactly. He's in all the ones that I've watched, though. I see. Which are the fifth one and, and beyond. Yeah, five, six, seven, and eight. Wow. So you have the whole front. I'm missing, half... the, I'm missing the whole front. Yeah. But I didn't need it, because I kind of feel like I, I understood where everything lay at yeah. the start of the fifth one. You I know? mean, these uh, it, it seems like the kind of entertainment where you should be able to jump right in. It's uncomplicated. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to a certain extent, it's constantly giving you the same thing over and over again, which is great because that thing is awesome and I love it and you can just keep giving it to me forever. Right. So, you know, that would be uh, fast cars, fun action scenes, some good quips. Yes. A lot of charisma and family. So there's a big family theme too, huh? There certainly is in the later ones. Okay. All I right. don't know if it's going to start with right here with number one. I'm going to guess maybe. Okay. So it seems like we're getting into some predictions, right? Yeah. Um, we will. Although before we jump to that, though, I, I want to quiz you on this. Um, so this is one of the more, well, it's the most contemporary film that we've done yet. This movie came out in 2001, still from a while ago, like 17 years, almost exactly since this movie came out, but not like a childhood classic. Right. But that being said, this was a huge film and it was the launching point for one of the biggest franchises ever. So has anyone ever like given you any shit for not having seen the Fast and the Furious? So... You know, among movies where I might declare that I've not seen them, this one gets a reaction, right? Um, do people give me shit? Are they are they like, oh my god, you haven't seen Fast and the Furious? You haven't lived. It's not that intense a reaction, but it is a reaction as though, you know, it's like, oh, but everyone's seen that. Like, yeah, they could, still think it's weird. It's weird to to declare it. it it's weird to reveal that you haven't seen this film because mm. uh, you know it's one of those ones where everyone has, right? Right. Interesting. I mean, certainly everyone has seen these later ones because I feel like the the franchise is kind of unusual in that it appears to get progressively bigger as it goes. At least starting with like four or five. I know that. Fast and Furious 2 and 3, Tokyo Drift, not uh, particularly well thought of, but then somehow it like reinvented itself or recaptured the magic in the middle there, and since then has kind of been getting bigger and bigger and with more and more stars too. I see. So it. each one's trying to outdo the last one exactly. and even more yeah, Fast it, it, and Furious, I guess. It definitely does that. I mean, each one is getting more insane for the things they do. I mean, they're going to be in outer space in no time. <laughs> driving cars from the space station to the moon. Cool. 
Yeah. And also, I think by the time you hit Fast and Furious 10, literally every actor in Hollywood will have appeared in these at some point. Because they just keep adding people. And they always make great choices, too, about the people they add. But we're getting off topic because today we're focused on step one. Right. Fast and the Furious. Um, Do you think this film has really permeated the culture at large? I mean, it's a little difficult to separate it from the franchise. Yeah. But, you know, the franchise is sort of this, right? I mean, this is the beginning. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, what would it be like if there were no sequels and it was only one film? What, you know, would we be discussing it today? I wonder. It was still on, if it had never spawned any sequels, it was still a huge movie on its own. Mm, Okay. And I do sort of feel like that right when it came out, there was a little, like street racing fad mm. i could be wrong about this because i was still kind of young and not really certainly wasn't in the street racing scene but it did feel like everyone was kind of a little more into driving fast and recklessly after this first one came out interesting yeah. i had a roommate in college who souped up his old uh honda prelude and <laughs> would like drive it crazily all over the place and do the drifting and all of that. Oh, he could drift? Oh, yes. Yeah. It was actually quite frightening to be I in his car. I imagine so. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. It was terrifying. Um, they have actually observed a phenomenon unique to these films, which is that after a crowd gets out from seeing one of these movies, there is an observable uptick in... Uh, street uh, road citations like people coming out of these movies actually measurably drive faster and more aggressively after having Mm. like immediately coming out of the film like the power of suggestion and also just like you're all amped on how awesome the movie you just saw was and you kind of you get in the in your car in the parking lot and you're like i'm gonna see what this honda odyssey can really do (laughs) i've done it i know coming out of i think it was fast six I I got in my car and I was with a friend who's in his car and we both kind of got to the exit of the parking lot at the same time and eyed each other and then we got on the and highway. Then it's on there was it's a, like an unspoken racing flag right went down and exactly yeah. yeah now I'm scared for my drive home after this I feel like I'm gonna wanna you know pedal to the metal just I feel like what if this film inspires me to drive recklessly do it. <laughs> I mean, why not? You're only taking your life in your hands. Yeah. You only live once. It's true. YOLO. Yeah. You ought to look out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You ought to look out. So, okay. Do you have any predictions for what we're going to see in this movie? I mean, I do, but they're not very nuanced or complex. Mm -hmm. I mean, I Play them on me. I think we're going to see some fast racing mm-hmm. with cars that are shiny and beautiful yeah um i imagine we will have a uh we'll have a rivalry between your your main character bad boy but good guy versus you know there's gonna be some crew or like you know it's kind of like uh evil boss type oh, character yeah. who has uh at, at least as equally sweet uh, automobile at his disposal and, Definitely. Uh, you know, is sexy and all of this, but but a bad guy for some reason. Right. Know? He uses his street racing for evil. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So, I, I mean, 
Could I give you other predictions? Who do you think is in this movie? Uh, other than you the, already said Paul Walker. Well, so I don't. You know, you mentioned some. You mentioned all of the actors that I'm familiar with from the series, and I don't know when they all come into the picture. None I, of the people I mentioned before, so Ludacris, The Rock, Jason Statham, they none all of them come in this later. One. Yeah. yeah, so I guess uh, I I really have no idea who's in the first one other than uh, Paul Walker. Paul Walker. Okay. Well, is that is that all you got? Yes. I have a few predictions of my own. Now, I have seen, as I've mentioned, a bunch of the films in this franchise, so it's a little unfair, but I also feel that uh, just from my general cultural osmosis, I've pieced together a fair amount of what to expect. We'll see if I'm right. Okay. So I know some of the cast. I know. We have Paul Walker. And this movie is going to have a plot where... It'll be your standard undercover cop worms his way into a gang and then starts to like the gang and loses his perspective and becomes so like enamored of the the gang members and their camaraderie that he wants to join them. And so maybe, like you said, there will be another gang that uses their crime for evil instead of good, Mm. like our, our friends. And so the the undercover cop is gonna be like, well, I can always take down this evil gang and still accomplish some semblance of my mission while letting my friends go. I think there's going to be something like that. Um, and you, so like a Point Break, you know, have you seen Point Break? I actually haven't seen Point Break. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we got another episode. Right. Well, now, folks. I, I get the sense that Point Break is the uh, surfing version of this movie. Right. Keanu Reeves has to infiltrate surfers who are criminals. And he has to learn how... You mean the FBI is going to pay me to learn how to surf? (laughs) And in this movie, you mean the FBI is going to pay me to learn how to street race? (laughs) Like, you know, so be like that. So that being said, back to the cast. Paul Walker is our undercover cop. Our head good criminal is going to be Vin Diesel. Right. Right. And the, the one thing I think I know about this movie, I might get the line a little wrong, but Vin Diesel's whole life philosophy is, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Interesting. Yeah. That was a terrible Vin Diesel impression. Yeah, it sounded a little bit more like Sly Stallone. It right? did, yeah, yeah. That was what I was getting to. You know, it was a little, yeah. yeah. Wait, is uh, Michelle Rodriguez in this Michelle film? Rodriguez is in this movie. Okay, all right. I've got another one. There yeah. we go. Okay. And I think... Uh, well, because I've seen the later ones, she will be Vin Diesel's uh, lady. Hmm. And then Vin Diesel's sister is Jordana Brewster, who uh, Paul Walker will fall in love with. Is Michelle Rodriguez in every single one of these films? I thought I saw something saying that she was considering boycotting being involved in one of the later ones. I haven't heard anything to that effect. She is in all of the ones that I have seen. But uh, given a couple things, I no i think she's not in at least well none of the original cast as far as i know is in number three tokyo drift uh tokyo drift is this weird kind of outlier uh and also a prequel i think chronologically would be the earliest of the film i could be wrong about that but so uh paul walker is the only one to come back for two and then nobody's in three and that's why those ones are not considered as good and then with four we start getting the original OG crew back 
and it starts getting good again. And I think in one of these, Michelle Rodriguez isn't really in it, but then she comes back and is in all of them. I see. So, yeah, that's what I think I know. Am I right? I guess it's time to find out. Let's put the key in the ignition and start this movie. All right. Oh, God, that's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, though. Let's do it. Go for a little ride. What the hell is that all about? A business deal that went sour. Plus, I made the mistake of sleeping with his sister. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And we're back. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom, indeed. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom, vroom. So how about that Fast and Furious? I might be giving things away, uh, but I really like that. Yeah, it was certainly entertaining. I enjoyed myself quite a bit. Um, But we'll get into that. First, let's do a little bit of background on this film. So, as per usual, I did a little bit of internet sleuthing and went all the way to Wikipedia to check out what was up with this movie. And here's what I discovered. So, the director is a guy named Rob Cohen, and he was inspired to make the film after reading an article called Racer X about street racing in New York City, And then he went and watched an actual illegal street race uh, in Los Angeles. So that's probably why we have such a thick veneer of verisimilitude on those late night L.A. street racing scenes. Because he actually did his research Hmm. and watched a few. Wow. How he made him so realistic. Yeah. Uh, Originally, the uh, studio told the producers that they would only greenlight the film if they could get Timothy Oliphant to play the role of Dominic Toretto. Do you know who Timothy Oliphant is? No. He's basically the greatest. Um, he was the star of a little show called Justified. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he's great, and I love him. That yeah, being he's s- a really good actor. Yeah. That being said, uh, I think Vin Diesel is kind of perfectly cast in this. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the same movie without him, so... I am kind of glad that uh, Timothy Oliphant turned it down. Um, And then prior to filming, both Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez did not have driver's licenses, so they had to take driving lessons during production. Wow. Which I thought was a fun little trivia fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Let's start off talking a little bit about our director, Rob Cohen. Uh, A few of his other credits include Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, Oh, yeah. Which I think we saw in the background of one scene they were watching. Oh, interesting. Snuck it in. Uh, He also directed the movie Dragonheart. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen both of those films and enjoyed them. Me too. Yeah, yeah. He also directed the movie, um, 
The Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Now that I haven't seen, but it, it's here we're seeing a dragon theme of some kind? A little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there were some subtle dragons throughout this uh, Fast and the Furious. Like some of the car art may have featured dragons. Sure, sure. I am going to go out on a limb and say that the dragon theme to his oeuvre is a coincidence because looking at these movies they don't actually have a lot in common outside of the title like you've got the bruce lee biopic yeah you've got the actual dragon movie and then the mummy i suppose had dragons but that was more like well i haven't seen it i haven't seen it from the preview i got the sense that maybe the mummy turns into a dragon but it's more about a mummy i mean maybe the mummy does kung fu first and then turns into a a car with a dragon well jet lee is the mummy if i'm not mistaken Oh. So you definitely do some martial arts. Well, there you go. The crossover is is probable. I I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, (laughs) He also made uh, yet another Vin Diesel vehicle, Triple X. Oh, wow. Have you seen that? I have. uh, I've seen some of Triple X, I believe. I saw it a long time ago. So clearly Rob Cohen um, and Vin Diesel are the Scorsese and De Niro of their time. (laughs) You know, constantly hooking up to make movies. But uh, what did you think of the directing in this film? Um, I thought it was um, fair. It was pretty good, given the, uh, you know, just kind of like solid action flick yeah. nature. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good, you know. Um, some of it was a little cheesy, you know. There was, I mean, parts of the movie were slathered in a thick layer of cheese, don't get me wrong. But... Uh, the action scenes were very entertaining. Yes, they were. I, I mean, you know, it was real cars doing real stuff, cool stunts. Yep. Like, really cool stunts, as a matter of fact. Fights. Fighting. There were fights based on uh, family Yeah, things like that. Family was a theme. And not to give it away, but as you and I going forward explore more of this franchise, it's going to continue to be a theme. Yes, uh, so I have heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, the it was 2001, so the special effects were occasionally a little not great. But they weren't, like, intrusive or anything like that. A lot of it was just real solid, physical, real-world stuff that I think held up pretty well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the few scenes with special effects, I feel like they used them to create kind of a warp feeling to some of the car movements and that was fine that was yeah i guess the fact that they were using it to just not replace what was going on but to give you a slightly how would i put this they were using the special effects not to replace what was happening in the real world, but to augment, augment it, it. Yeah. in a way, or you know, spin it so that it gives you a certain kind of uh, sensation on watching it, and I think that's why it works. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think this movie held up pretty well as a, an entertaining action flick. Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about our actors now. And starting off, number one, the man himself. Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto. What did you think? I mean, he his character is kind of uh, kind of deadpan for mm-hmm. most of the beginning of the film. I feel like he develops character through action, and then towards the end, you get a little bit more of a sense of him. But 
He doesn't shine to me as really? a character. Yeah. That's it. Well, he's definitely very internal, I guess we could say. But number one, I would say he's extremely charismatic in this film. I don't think the film would work as well with I mean, Timothy Oliphant can also be extremely charismatic, but there's something about the the whole Vin Dieselness of him playing this character that just is so perfect for the direction and the action that's happening around him. Yeah, that's true. He, I, I mean, he does he does command the the gravity of the scenes pretty well with the like kind of strong silent type. Yeah, but also, I mean, just like in those crowd scenes when he's the center of attention and he's kind of being the you know the the big man in front of everybody he just he fits those scenes like a glove yeah you know it's perfect i think and you know having seen the later ones that continues to be his character but in this one i feel like unlike in the later ones where he's kind of grown not to the point of self-parody necessarily maybe occasionally but to the point where he's basically a superman in this one he had several scenes where he was allowed to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that worked too. Mm. You know, so one of my predictions was that line, uh, the one that I'd heard before, uh, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. I and, noticed that when it came up. Right. Well, the thing about that was that surprised me was that um, I had always heard it in this context of like, kind of people being all broy and like yeah man live my life a quarter mile at a time i'm gonna go race my prius down the street you know whereas in the context of the film it actually comes during a monologue where he's talking about you know a lot of angst that he has and you know it's not like shakespearean or anything but i do think he's pretty good in that scene yeah yeah, that's that. I mean, that that part we learn a lot about his character and his past, and yeah, it, it is the scene that yeah. adds the most depth to his character. Yes, and an effective one. You know, he is emotionally vulnerable in that scene in a way that I am not used to seeing Vin Diesel. Right. You know, he's usually playing a character who's too cool for school. Right. And well, he, he and is in this he, too. he he is in this too. He, they, they they give you a while before you get that payoff of him kind of pulling the curtain back and right. giving you some... And he talks about, too, yeah. you know, he's talking about how he's afraid to drive the car. Yeah, he, It's his dad's car, and he saw his dad die, and it, driving the car scares him. And, you know, that's... For a tough guy like Dom, that's a big admission to make, yeah. right? And it, you know, goes to show how far that friendship has come, too. It's really a scene that's accomplishing quite a lot. Yeah. But um, one thing I noticed at the end of the film when uh, Dom and Brian are doing their final race and Dom gets in the accident and, you know, the car flips over and Brian comes running. Dom is, uh, he, I mean, he's not as badly hurt as you would think he would be after an accident like that, but he is scared, in shock, kind of like, he's panting, you know, he's kind of, like, he needs a second. When Brian's like, are you okay? He's kind of, he's shaken. Yeah. It's a moment, another moment of vulnerability for him. And in the later films, I don't think he would have been shaken in the same way. Like, he's kind of at the point now by Fast 8 where he would just walk that off. Yeah, no he kind of occupies this, this like, 
godlike meta status. Right, right, exactly. At that point in the series. But I liked this in this one where, you know, it was a moment where he was allowed to be human. Right. And well, it was cool. And he I mean he he is a very human character throughout. And I think, you know, you mentioned that you've seen some of the later films and that this one was relatively more down to earth and kind of real. Relatively. Yeah, rel- well, relatively. So, you know, it gives me a sense that the later films are going to get more and more kind of over the top and spectacular and that's great that's what i like about the later films but watching this one i was surprised at how much i dug it like i was a little i went in a little worried that because i was so into the over the topness of the later ones that this one would fail to get my blood pumping yeah but it's like you said the relative down to earthedness of it i found in its own way equally entertaining yes yeah so well cool uh, let's talk about Paul Walker as Officer Brian O'Connor. Yeah, so um, I thought he put in a pretty good performance in that role. I thought it was good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, solid character, good emotional range. His character, I, I mean, I think it's interesting that he's, like, his main angle is that he uses this nitrous oxide stuff to... The NOS. The NOS. Like, that was something I was hearing about a lot when this movie came out, people were always talking about NOS. And I knew it came from this movie, and I knew what it was, but I kept being like, God, why? Like, what happens in this film that this NOS shit is so important? Apparently, you know, it's our, our main character's uh, car drug of choice, you know? Yeah. Well, he's not the only one who uses it, though. Yeah, that's true. Everybody uh, everybody takes a hit of NOS at some point. Doing the NOS here and there to get a little edge, man. Yeah, man. I wonder if Nas thought about suing the film for uh, Jack and his name. Oh, they, they got away with it. Yeah. It's NO2, but they're calling it Nas, right? Right. That's the street name for it. Yeah. Yeah. Streets. Street smarts. Street. Um, street race wars. Can we talk about the race wars? We'll talk about race wars soon, but uh, I want to finish up with Paul, Rock, uh, Paul Walker. Okay. I think it is a role where he easily could have been just a wooden pretty face who didn't offer very much, but I don't think that's what happened here. I think while he is very pretty, uh, I think he actually brought something to this. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. He's very charming. Yeah. Um, at some point, uh, Dom says to him, uh, don't lose your cool, that's your meal ticket. And I got that sense from his character. The character was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that about them. There's something about him that I just kind of liked right from the get-go. Right. You know? And not, you know, the characters too, but I felt it. Yeah. So, good on you. Good work, Paul Walker. Well done. Let's talk about Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. Now, I am a big fan of Michelle Rodriguez. I just like her a lot. And I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. I believe you feel the same way? I am a fan. Yeah? Yes. Uh, the only thing about her that I don't like is her role on the show that shall not be named. Okay, yes. Yeah. Don't think she was great in that. Not really her fault, though. I don't think it was a great character. Mm. Other than that, though, I really like Michelle Rodriguez. And I find Michelle Rodriguez very attractive. As do I. And seeing her in this movie... I continued to find her very attractive. Yeah, well, I mean, this is her at uh, a young age in her career where she's just, like, in her prime, 
you know, the the thing is, she's very sexualized in the film as well. Yeah. So like they play that up, and you know, I I feel like her, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about her character because of that. There is a part. You know, in the film where Dom comes up to her after winning a race and picks her up and he goes, my trophy. And, you know, in the context, they're they're dating. They've known each other forever. It's just, it's a cute thing to say, whatever. But there is also this aspect of, oh, yeah, she's his trophy. Yeah. That's what he gets for winning. Right. You know, or at least it's something that I noticed. Um, another thing, though, this is only her second film. Oh, what was her first uh, it was a movie called Girl Fight. Oh. Um, I haven't seen it, but I remember seeing ads for it when it came out. She's um, either a boxer or an MMA fighter. I don't know if MMA was big at that point. But yeah, she's, I think I know the film you're She is about. a fighter yeah. in it, and uh, I think that's her first film, and then this is her second. Hmm. So, uh, I thought she had great chemistry with Vin Diesel, though. Yeah, I think so. And I thought she was also uh, really believable as a tough girl surprise surprise for michelle rodriguez yeah yeah but you know she like decks that guy and knocks him on his ass and i was like i buy it that's fun i mean it's it's like and she's doing it in a context where uh dom is like knocking lots of people out well and she's watching his back that's the person exactly. coming up behind so him. she's like you know jumping in on the brawl basically yeah it's kind of cool yeah yeah no it's 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 a good role for her and i enjoyed it quite a bit so we got uh, Jordana Brewster as Mia. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like her character was a little marginal. Yes. Um, you know, she's kind of, she's there as a running theme, but she, yeah, I she seems a little one-dimensional. Yeah, you know, for me, she has more of the issue that you brought up from Michelle Rodriguez, which is, I mean, both of them are very sexualized in the film, but Michelle Rodriguez has a bit more of a role outside of her uh, role as Vin Diesel's love interest, whereas Mia's primary purpose in the film is to serve as a catalyst for Brian's evolution. Yeah. You know, and as a motivation for him to kind of to switch sides. So, I mean... There's his feelings of friendship for Dom, too, but it's his love for me, I think, that's influencing him the most. Right, film. right. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like Michelle Rodriguez's character, like, she's also a racer. They're, like... She's part of the gang. She's part of the gang. She has more status and kind of, like, a, her own... She just does more. Yeah, she does more in the, in the, in the film. Yeah. yeah. That being said, I think she's fine in it. Yeah, I... Um, a fine job in terms of the the acting but yeah. I, I don't know that the character was as deep as you know some of our other characters right um so i don't know if this is true i took this off imdb's trivia section so take it with a grain of salt but this is a list of actresses who also auditioned for the role of mia hmm. kirsten dunst sarah michelle geller and Natalie Portman. Oh, wow. Yes. Oscar winner Natalie Portman auditioned for this part. I mean, she wasn't an Oscar winner yet. But still, like, could you imagine if Natalie Portman was in this movie? It just... I don't know. But then again, these films are slowly taking on every big-name actor in Hollywood, so she might wind up in it eventually anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She'll have her chance after all. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's our core cast. So I guess we can move on to the plot things that stood out to us. And also, let's take a quick look at uh, how our predictions panned out. We've talked about some of them already, but let's get get the rest. You want to go first? Sure. So um, I predicted a few things, just a few, but let's explore them. So I predicted there would be fast racing with cars that were shiny and beautiful. Really went out on a limb with that one, huh? Yeah, yeah. That was a safe bet, and, you know, the bet... Paid off. Paid off, as it were. Handsomely. Handsomely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, duh, and that, that that was true. I thought there might be a rival bad boy slash good guy. Of course, that describes Brian, and uh, he would be pitted against some kind of an evil crew character. So, you know, I'd say that Brian did have an element of being a good guy in a bad boy role there was an evil crew but there were also a number of characters who you know i thought the villain was going to be this uh johnny tran johnny tran well he uh, was the villain he, sort of right he was an adversary to brian in within the social circle he oh. became this uh oh wait wait johnny tran is the uh the rival gang leader Oh, but you're sorry. talking about the guy yeah. within I'm the group. I'm talking about the guy within the group. So Johnny Tran is the is the uh, is the villain for like the, the actual villain. yeah with the evil gang. Yes. So you're talking about Vince. I'm talking about Vince. Yeah, Vince is like he's the breakaway misfit. Right. So if we are to take this gang of misfits as its own kind of ersatz family. He's the breakaway renegade misfit yes. who in, I think, a lot of films, we were talking about this while watching, our expectation was he would ultimately betray the group yes. because he was mad about Brian. And this doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It seems that it's going that way, but he then somehow falls in line and becomes cool with everything. And Honestly, I think it probably would have happened, but it was already like getting to be too long as it was, too much stuff going on. They couldn't fit that in. Yeah, Maybe they could have, but they didn't need it. Yeah, apparently. I mean, they didn't go in that direction. And they seemed like they were starting to build toward it. I really thought so, too. I mean, their early rivalry, especially given his jealousy over the relationship with Mia, there's that one scene during the movie where Mia deliberately kind of, like, bitches him. Yes. Where she watched, she's like, what was that restaurant you wanted to take me to? Oh, Cha-Cha-Cha's? I love that place. Yeah. Brian, how about you take me there? And I was like, ooh. Yeah, so he basically like... I thought that was going to be like the moment where he storms out and he's like... He does storm out. Well, right, but storm out <laughs> straight to like the enemy gang and like sell everyone out. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the true betrayal. And that's not what happens, but that was the reason. I mean, he, he, he was given a reason. Like, Brian is here in his perspective openly, you know, seducing his... His love, his, his love, great love, I mean, yeah, and uh, man, yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing about Dominic Toretto is that he inspires such loyalty that you can even get your heart broken, you can get publicly humiliated by the girl you've been pining for for years, and you will still stand by him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The crew is tight knit. He's a great man, mm. Dominic Toretto. Um, that reminds me of an observation I had about this movie that I had early on and then just kept becoming more and more true, which is that 
basically every scene in this film revolves around some form of dick measuring contest. <laughs> yes. Like, every scene is about... Competition of some kind. And, like, just, like, bravado and masculinity and, like, who's the bigger man in one form or another. It just is endless. Yes. Uh, but also kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the flavor of this uh, movie, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You know, that's the... I dug it. So... All right, so my prediction here, we've got our undercover cop. He wormed his way into a gang. He lost his perspective. Accurate so far. There was another evil gang. However, the the other evil gang was a little less of a factor in the plot than I thought they would be. As it turns out, um, I guess sort of like with Point Break, the original gang is in fact the bad guys. And, you know, I, I figured that Brian wouldn't be able to turn dom in in the end and that proved to be true but i i thought there would be a little bit more to the 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 people who use their street racing for evil like i just thought they'd be more of a presence but you know it was fine that they weren't i think it worked okay yeah yeah i mean um they wind up being the bad guys to a level that the bad guys are present in like a video game like they're they're there they're a bad force but they're not necessarily the main focus of the plot i feel like we don't they they showed up periodically to remind you that they were there and then they showed up for the final boss battle yes but you didn't really get a sense of their story and character right okay let's talk about just the film itself so it gets started real fast, appropriately enough. Doesn't waste any time. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of job rule. Can we talk about how much job rule is in the film, like very quickly as well? Please. Like, from the very beginning. Uh, you Do know, it. We hear we hear job rule. We're introduced to job rule in in the initial uh, race. Yeah, that first street race. And as he's being introduced. I, I'm pretty sure it's Ja Rule's music playing as well. Like, yeah. And we hear Ja Rule's song at the very end. They're like, murder. Yeah. That song. It is murder. Yeah. It's it's murder. Yes. Yeah. It's it, murder. It, yeah. It's murder. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was there was Ja Rule. We, we were talking about Ludacris, perhaps, uh, and the fact that he was not in this film, but perhaps... He would be in the soundtrack. I read that he was on the soundtrack, and I was very excited because not only was he on the soundtrack, Drew, it was my favorite Ludacris song. I Got Hose in different area codes. In different area codes. Yeah. The song is called Area Codes, just to be clear. Oh, yes. Drew, it's not called I Got Hose. Get it right. Well, okay. Hose. Hoes in different area codes. Area codes. Area. Right. Yeah. So that that's on. Continuing with the plot of the film, mm. uh, I did like that opening action scene where the uh, the gang hijacks that truck. I thought it was just like really fun, really cool, good way to set the uh, set the tone for the movie. There was, as we've already discussed, some really cool you know, real world stunt work going on with the cars zipping around and flanking the truck and going underneath it. Yeah, that was so cool. And uh, the guy jumping from uh, one car to the other, really, really great. So I liked that right from the get-go. Then we start getting into Brian's plot. And another thing that I liked about this was that um, 
it doesn't establish that Brian is an FBI agent right away. Right, you don't learn it until later in the film. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that's what's up, but nonetheless, I like that we don't spend any time on that and it just comes up later that that's what he's doing. I just, I thought it was kind of a more elegant way to do it. Yeah, I agree. That was cool. Um, Holy shit, dude. This movie is so 2001. Oh, okay. So how much 2001 stuff? I started keeping a special section in my notes called uh, 2001. And um, here's a few things that I noted. So uh, the soundtrack. Yeah. Holy like, shit. Wow. All right. I don't I don't remember all the songs. And some of it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we got some Jaw. We got some Luda. Great. But then we've also got some... I mean, I don't know if it's technically rap rock, but it's that almost like emo screamy. Yeah, it was if white it, boy rock. If it wasn't three eleven, it was Incubus or some knockoff thereof. We got some Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson made an appearance on the soundtrack. Yeah, um, absolutely. There was did. also. Can we talk about how two thousand one it was that when they showed a scene at a house party there was someone openly playing rock guitar <laughs> like that didn't that was happen. Vince dude yeah. I think also uh, the fact that he was doing that is meant to reinforce our perception that he's a dick yes that's right and it worked <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god um Letty's outfit the the first time Letty rolls up and hops out of a car she is wearing the uniform of a high school girl from that time Mm. i mean i mean not obviously not every high school girl but like it was it was a type of outfit that i saw all the time at that time just like the boots the pants the you know the midriff shirt she had the her hair oh my god it was just so of the time she looked great yeah don't get me wrong it just like man it really spoke to an to an era yeah, that's right. It was very much of that that yeah. time, that style. Oh, uh, another thing I noticed too, like, and this is from the very first scene, the under the lights on the undercarriages of the cars, those mm. neon lights. I feel like maybe it was this film that made those so popular, or maybe they were both sort of like the film and the neon lights becoming popular, both products of a racing scene that was becoming more and more mainstream at the time, and it's that's just a, a coincidence. But yeah, I, I mean, I I wonder. I feel like the underlights are probably more a product of real street racing culture, but I bet the film made it popular. Like I, I, it spread it farther. I would think. I mean, from my perspective, I've certainly seen a lot more since the time that the film has come out. Yeah, so. I mean, I feel like in my life, seeing the neon undercarriage lights peaked while I was in college. So uh, in the early to mid aughts. Mm-hmm. Not to give away my exact age, right, or so anything like that. After this film had kicked off, right, but not too long after. Still within like the zone of its popularity, right. Certainly, and you know its sequels were still coming out and stuff. Um, yeah, I am pretty sure those are illegal now, or maybe that's sure. why we don't see them any, anymore. Either that, or they're just out. Yeah. So yeah, don't illegal see them so much. in some states, I imagine. Yeah. And I mean, also, I feel like references to NOS was very of the time, too. But Yes, uh, I mean, never mind the Snapple product placement. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, it's so funny. They, they want Mia to seem cool, but also, like, a good girl in a way. So they arrive at that house party, and everyone's hanging out downstairs, except Mia, Mia is upstairs reading, like, 
thick, heavy school books. She's like studying, and it never really comes up again. Yeah. But it's like a little character moment, and then she comes downstairs, and everyone's drinking except for Mia. She's drinking a Snapple. Yeah, that's right. I just I I don't know why I really like enjoyed that moment, but I did. Um, what else? Okay, Paul Walker's car computers. Those were extremely two thousand and one. Oh my god! Do you the remember the floppy those? disk cassette? Oh, thing? Later on, yeah, when they're looking at the car on the. Uh, What's it called? The garage computer. Yeah. Yeah. He's slamming in a floppy disk. And some kind of weird one. Like, oh, I don't know. I didn't notice that. But just, and it was such an old school computer. And he was doing that thing where the computer, maybe it was capable of that, but it, it was at that time when people talked about hackers like they were magic. Yeah. You know, like Vin Diesel, like lists off things about Paul Walker's, uh, undercover character's life. And he's like, you know, it's the thing about Jesse. He can find anything on the internet. Yeah, that's right. He's like, oh, it's this. He can find out any anything about anyone just by going on the web. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, man. like this You is, have no idea where it's going to go, buddy. Yeah, Google. Come just, on. Or not only that, but just, like, wait until, like, you're in a time where that's really a threat. Yeah. You know? Oh, my goodness. But, um... What else did I see? Um, there was oh that awesome awesome computer. Oh, at the race war, there was a a guy rave doing a he had the glow sticks yeah. raving. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty fun to see that again. And um, oh the the last thing I wrote down was that um at the end when Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster are trying to find Dom and the team, they're looking at maps. Like, they're, you know, the person on the other end is like, we found them. They're like on the 86 going south. And he's like pulling out a map trying to drive. Like and a like, physical map. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was about all I like, at least took the time to write down. Did you have anything else? I mean, I did write down OMG raving. Um, but yeah, we. Liquid. We talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, pretty authentic rave music. I mean, a lot of it comes back down to some of the musical styles like a lot of drum and bass yep a lot of drum and bass especially just, under the action scenes yeah that's right i mean at, at, in one of the first races uh, dom kind of like very dramatically turns it on like drum and bass oh that's music right music in his own to get himself car. in the zone it's like all visualized on the screen and all yeah that. oh and this is sort of a uh, a less cool reminder of the times uh paul walker gets called uh, the F word within 10 minutes of the movie starting. Uh, Jesse, no, not Jesse, Vince, in order to express his displeasure, shouts that at him. Then they get in a fight. So that was sort of of its time, too. Sure remembered an awful lot of that going around. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, less so now. And that's good. So I liked an early moment where they've cut off the street for the street race and they stop the pizza guy. And before he leaves, he goes, Goddamn street racer! Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's such a, like, that that sense that our if our movie heroes are going to be cool, they got to be rebels. Yeah, that's right. And, and also the notion that to the surrounding community, it's just, like, a nuisance. Like, some kind of, they're just pests. Like True. Well, but also it establishes that everybody who's not them is a square. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. From the perspective of the film, that is absolutely true. Oh, 
Um, there was uh, a, another cool Dominic Toretto line that I wrote down, which is, uh, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or by a mile. Winning is winning. Hmm. I was like, yeah! <laughs> Badass. Oh, my God. Um, so, all right, so the movie continues to go along. How did you feel about the middle section of the film? So, you know, somewhere right around the middle to late middle, we learn that it's all about the race wars. Mm-hmm. Right, so, you know, we're hearing about these street race wars. They're talking about race wars all the time. You're wondering if there are wars among races of people. That's well, to be fair... Part. I was never really wondering that. Uh, neither was I. But it, it was very like funny that they funny. kept saying that. Yeah. At some point, someone yells that at, at another character. It's like, is this about race war? So, so look, I think it's telling. The moment when it's obviously all about race wars is when Brian's character in, in you know, a moment when you feel like you should really know what's at the core of his being, right? A moment when Dom's got a shotgun to his head, and he, he's like, "You're wondering what he's gonna say," and what comes out of his mouth is, "This is about race wars." <laughs> <laughs> what? What? That is what you say with a gun to your head? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> it's it's the most important thing to me. I guess. I mean, you know, is that him? Like. Talking as a cop, like... I just thought it was a funny thing to hear someone shout. Yeah, with a gun to their head. Like, what? Yeah. Um, Did you notice, too, um, the hacker character, who I immediately identified as the sad misfit, Mm. and he had the saddest backstory. I mean, Dom had some sad backstory, but this kid's backstory was, like, sad. Yeah. Jesse. He was, like, super smart, but he had uh, that attention disorder... ADD? ADD? I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, they were so, like, not even as aware of it at that point. And not only that, but, like, he, the poor bastard came of age in a time before pharmaceutical companies were begging to prescribe children ADD drugs, even if they don't have ADD. Yeah. So he, like, has the ability to do anything with a computer and could have gone to MIT, but he had to drop out of school because it was pre uh, pharmaceutical utopia that we're in now. Mm. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. And so, of course, you kind of knew he was dead meat from moment one once his story kept being that, like, upsetting. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he, he just seemed to have a, a grim fate from the start. His end was written at the beginning. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's when I really started getting the sense that uh, this is the gang of misfits that becomes a family. It was when they're all working out at the garage, just being being friends. Yeah. Um, can we talk about uh, Brian and Mia's first date? At Cha-Cha-Cha's? At Cha-Cha-Cha's. And then it's like, they're like five minutes into the meal, and it's like, let's go on a romantic, reckless drive with Mia, just like... Yeah, that's how she she's she's Dom's sister. That's how she gets her kicks. She yeah. loves to drive too. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it's just it's funny to see it play out as a romantic activity, like two minutes into the date. Yeah, I guess. Well, you have to understand that they're on the date, but then, uh, like, basically right away, Brian says exactly the right thing. Which do you remember? 
Uh, remind me the line. So I for, I forget exactly. Oh yeah, how yeah. Talking he about says it, that it. You know, it's really. She like, says. She's, it's she all says about that, her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she says, Dom is like gravity. People just get drawn to him, and he says, and she says, even you, and he goes, no, no, being friends with your brother is just a bonus. Yeah, I was drawn to you. Yeah, that's and right. That was the moment. That's when they were going to go on the drive. Once he said that, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I suppose that maybe they were driving fast because she was ready to go, and it's just a matter of let's get to your place as fast as we can. Ah, uh, yes, I suppose that's uh, a distinct possibility. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny, uh, so much of this movie is kind of like, I guess, I don't know, technical isn't the right word, but I, I just, I, I didn't relate so much to all the gearhead stuff. I found that, I, there wasn't a yeah. ton of it. No, there wasn't a ton of it. But a, a lot of the discussion of all the, like, cars and their inner workings, I just, like, not only could I not follow it, but, like, I, I was just, like, I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, I, I... I feel like they did a good job of not loading the film too heavily with that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I guess they have to do it in order to establish like the bona fides of their characters to show they know what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it adds a, a sense of um, authenticity to the film. You know, sure. maybe add some of that stuff that our director discovered in his street research that he did before <laughs> right. putting the film together. You know. Yeah. Um, did you notice, too, that... and. It even winds up being a legitimate concern. The police are interested in closing this case fast because the fact that street racers are hijacking trucks means that sooner or later the truckers are going to start to get mad and they're going to start to fight back. And that's what they're worried about. So I'm like, so wait, so the police want to squash this quickly because they're worried that soon enough there's going to be a truckers versus street racers war, like a cars <laughs> versus trucks, like battle royale. It's like the push cart war starts happening in the streets of L.A. Why didn't they make that into the That would have been a great movie. movie. Yeah. I it's mean, like a themed Mad Max. Yeah, there you go. That yeah. would be cool. Cars versus trucks. And it's like, who's the who are the buses going to side with? <laughs> And then the cabbies betrayed them. <laughs> the minivans. Who oh, knows? Oh, no. They're the wild card. Yeah, you never know. Except I feel like they're the ones you'd get picked last. Yeah, that's true. Once the minivans, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Although, but then again, the funny thing is, is that's exactly what happens. In that final hijacking battle, the trucker has a shotgun and is fighting them all off. Yeah. Dude, he takes that team apart. He does. That uh, shotgun work was pretty, uh, it was persistent. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is that having seen the later ones, I mean, in Fast 8, they, like, attack a Russian naval base and, like, destroy, like, it's not the Russian army, but it's, like, well-armed rebels, and, like, they fight a submarine and win. Wow. Spoiler alert. Sorry. But, um... That gives a good sense of of how the stakes have have escalated. Well, right, but not only that, but like you have that, but then in this movie, just some truck driver with a shotgun basically kicks the shit right, out just, of him. Let's remind ourselves what the what the difference was across the eight films. We have a a a Russian submarine, then a guy, a trucker with a shotgun. He's too much for them to handle. You know, it's funny. Uh, I kept getting a sense from that particular 
fight at the end with the truck that they were taking some inspirations from an early Steven Spielberg film called Duel. Have you ever heard of or seen that film? I have not. It, I think it might even be his first film. And the plot of it is um, very simple. The plot is that a mild-mannered regular guy in like you know, a station wagon or something is driving home. And he gets in some kind of altercation with a truck, you know, some road rage stuff. And the truck driver snaps and starts trying to kill him, like ram him off the road, uh, try and run him over when he gets out, all kinds of stuff. And this is pre-cell phone, so the guy can't call for help because the truck, like, keeps staying on his ass and not letting him go for help. And so in that movie, you never really get a good look at the driver. Like, you see his arm. Oh, yeah. And you kind of see his boots when he's walking around at one point, but you never really get a good look at his face. And the idea is that it's you get more of a sense that it is the truck that is the villain. The mm. truck is the evil thing that's fighting him. And the truck is even designed, or they found a truck that was built in such a way where the front of it looked almost a little bit like a little bit like a face. Yeah. You know? And in this, y- you can see the face maybe in the background, but it's like blurry. You never really get a good look at the driver. Yeah. It's always I mean, focused more on the shotgun. Yeah. And, and, and the truck itself. That's right. You don't you don't really get the face of the driver. And right. It, you know, it's more set back and the shots focus more on the actual firearm and the loading of the firearm. And then whenever we see the driver, his yeah, his face is like frosted out. It's it seems I mean, from your description of duel, it seems like it could be some form of homage in terms yeah. of the or, you know, maybe they're making some subtle references. Cert- yeah. su- not just subtle references, but it's a good movie to look to to get ideas. Yeah, as far as the directing. Um, and also, I think that it, it's a good way to dehumanize the truck driver in a way to make him a much more abstract figure of menace. Because it, this person is going up against Dom Doretto and his team, who, even in this film, are built up to be these nearly superhuman drivers. And so to have him just fighting a regular guy, even if it's like, you know, a skilled one, you kind of feel like, well, how can they beat Dom, especially beat him so badly? But by having him be this sort of like abstracted, just like force that they're up against, it's more believable. Yeah, they do a good job with it, too. A force with with quite a lot of ammunition for that, uh, that, that shotgun. Well, you know, that's how things go. Yeah. You are about to start a war with uh with street racers you come packing that's right you know that you're going to be trucking through the street racers territory you know you gotta be able to defend yourself in that loot that's right you drive on the fury road you play for keeps (laughs) you've seen that right fury road yeah no i haven't get the fuck out of here really yeah oh man stay tuned good god I like that movie a lot. Hmm. Not really unique in that regard, but it's fun. We should watch that. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we've kind of jumped all over in the film. I got a few other things that I observed. Um, I, I did think it was fun that uh, they managed to sneak it in right at the end, a one last job plot point where they, you know, they've been doing all these heists and it's getting, the heat's coming down, but they're just going to pull this one last job and then they're out. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, they found time for it to be one last job. That's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's basically all I got. You know, mostly just sat back and enjoyed the ride, no pun intended. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I'd say the same. That pretty much covers all of my uh, my points, and uh, you know, makes me want to stop back and reflect and try to live my life a quarter mile at a time. As well, you should. All right, let's take a quick look at the reception of this film. So, box office. It was released in June 2001, so almost exactly 17 years ago, and was uh, ranked number one at the box office, earning a little over $40 million in its opening weekend, which is an awful lot, especially for the time. During its run, the film made a domestic total of uh, just under $145 million and a worldwide total of $207 million dollars all on a budget of 38 million wow hefty return yes and you know big as this was that franchise with you know again the dip with the second and third films i believe has just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger i think some of those later films are in the in the top of biggest money-making movies of all time mm. you know like five through eight are all somewhere near the top of that list wow yeah. Um, well, this movie currently has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means it's rotten. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I thought this was fun. Uh, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel won the MTV Movie Award for Best On Screen Team. It's a shame it wasn't Best On Screen Kiss, but what can you do? <laughs> I mean, they had great chemistry. They actually really do have great chemistry. I thought uh, a lot of their scenes together worked very well. Um, in terms of the professional reviews, here's what I got. So on the good side, Todd McCarthy of Variety called the film a gritty and gratifying cheap thrill. Rob Cohen's high-octane car... Miller? That might be a Wikipedia typo. Is a true rarity these days, a really good exploitationer, the sort of thing that would rule at drive-ins if they still existed. I think I disagree with the gritty part a little bit. It was kind of too outlandish to be gritty. Mm. But then again, I mean, you know. It's street racing. I right. Mean, it's it's gritty in terms of the the streetness. Yeah, it's really, it's very street. It's very street. It's from the streets. Yeah. Yeah, street. Street smarts. Um, <laughs> Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times said it's an action picture that's surprising in the complexity of its key characters and portents of tragedy. Now that I agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, I'm not saying that these are the most complex characters I've seen on film, but for the kind of movie it is, I think at least our main characters, particularly the main two, have a surprising amount of depth to them. Yeah, they do. It, I find it, I mean... Watching it now, knowing that Paul Walker died the way that he did, is, you know, I found myself reflecting on that from the very first scenes with him driving, you know? Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I feel like seeing it, it must be interesting for those who saw this movie and became fans of the franchise leading up to, you know, to be a Paul Walker fan in his heyday, and then he passed away like that and now going back and seeing the films from the beginning like just in the very first scene i'm like man like i thought of the word tragic Mm. you know as far as as far as his story because as you say watching it with that 
kind of in 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 the back of your mind is a little inescapable yeah yeah which you know is too bad i i will say that um i think it's uh number seven is the movie where they have the uh paul walker tribute and send-off scene and oh man waterworks and not just me like the whole theater was really choking up wow yeah uh it was it was very nice um anyway uh last last review here at least for the positives reese pendleton of the chicago reader wrote vin diesel carries this movie with his unsettling mix of zen-like tranquility and barely controlled rage i think that's kind of well put Mm. actually you know i i don't i don't think it's accurate in the sense that uh you necessarily see those two things happening at the same time no you don't i think and i'm not sure the comment intended that like that's more it's more of a dichotomy of his nature like he's either one or the other one or the other right but i don't know maybe i can maybe i actually can see it you know there are those moments where he's very clearly holding back it's just the ones that stand out more the times when it breaks yes you know comes pouring forth um, so on the bad side, we have Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly gave the film a C, said, It works hard to be exciting, but the movie scarcely lives up to the title. Wrong. Um, yeah, Rita Kempley of the Washington Post wrote, It's rebel without a cause, without a cause. <laughs> the young and the restless with gas fumes. The quick and the dead with skid marks harsh yeah and again not really accurate i thought this movie was pretty good you know it's a lot of fun yeah give it a break enjoy yourself (laughs) yeah that's right yeah so anyway i guess we've been kind of giving our review the entire time but drew what did you think of this movie yeah i mean um certainly better late uh worth the time to see uh, intrigues me enough to make me want to see more of the films in the series, and uh, as you should. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's 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 at a level of entertainment that I I expected it would be around this entertaining. It was I expected it to be entertaining, and it it, it was it delivered. Nice, nice. Well, for myself. This was absolutely better late. I enjoyed watching it quite a bit. I went in with a little bit of trepidation that my experience watching the later ones would make this one feel underwhelming, but that did not turn out to be the case. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I liked I liked watching the origin story of this relate or mul- multiple relationships that I've been seeing play out in these later films. You know, it's it's cool to watch watch all these actors interact and build a rapport. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, yeah, Better Late and a movie that I recommend if you haven't seen it. Go out and go out and see the Fast and the Furious. It's a fun ride. Worth checking out. Totally. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this installment of Better Late Than Never. Um. Please email us. We have an email address now, which is betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com, 
Or you can tweet the podcast at betterlate underscore pod. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, Drew, thank you very much for coming. Thanks for having me, Dave. I hope to catch you again. Peace. <laughs>